0: Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sri's daily global COVID-19 show. My name is Sri Srinivasan, and it's my honor to host this daily conversation with folks around the world. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for supporting us for 130 days. That's right, we've been on the air for 130 straight days of pandemic of lockdown of all kinds of problems and we've gotten through this because of you thank you so much for your support it's sunday night in new york which means only one thing for us positivity night on sunday nights we try to be positive despite every rotten thing going on we meet generally positive purposeful people who can help us get ready for the week we might cry together laugh together mourn together Get angry together, we'll definitely learn together. Please join us as we have a conversation tonight with Tim Salau, Mr. Future of Work. He's the founder of GuideApp, he's at Tim Salau. We'll be joined by him in a few minutes. In the meantime, please follow him and please tell him that we're looking forward to hearing from him on our show at Tim Salao. We're live right now on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and on LinkedIn. Are you on those platforms? Are you connected with me on those platforms? Let's do it. Let's connect folks. Hi everybody. I'm Sri and I'm so pleased to be with all of you tonight. It's Sunday night and Sunday night positivity, or at least something that resembles positivity, especially on this weekend when we've had such a tough set of headlines to deal with you've seen the coronavirus has hit all-time high numbers including a grim milestone of 600,000 deaths across the world america that has only 5% of the world's population has 25% of those deaths 1.5 150,000 of those 600,000 deaths that number by the way if you've if you've been following the show it's also parallel to america and its prison population is just a grim reminder of what happens in this country america is five percent of the world's population and 25 percent of the prisoner population of the world you saw the president this weekend go on the air and critique and lie about his own government's policies including about testing and we saw a remarkable thing on fox news chris wallace who has done this before fact-checking the president live or at least in front of him directly in an interview that aired this morning. Every one of you should watch that video. Watch the full thing if you can. I said that somewhere Mike Wallace, the famous 60 Minutes reporter whose son Chris Wallace is, is out there somewhere smiling and extra proud of his son tonight. Thank you all for being here. The other big headline, of course, is the death of John Lewis. And here you're seeing in the New York Times, above the fold and on the front page, a front page above the fold, obit, which I'm gonna read to you a few lines from, by Catherine Q. Seeley. John Lewis, civil rights icon turned conscience of Congress. Representative John Lewis, a son of sharecroppers and an apostle of nonviolence, who was bloodied at Selma and across the Jim Crow South, in the historic struggle for racial equality and who then carried a mantle of moral authority onto Congress, died on Friday, he was 80. His death was confirmed by a statement by Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Mr. Lewis, a Georgia Democrat, announced on December 29th that he had stage four pancreatic cancer and vowed to fight it with the same passion with which he had battled racial injustice. I've been in some kind of fight for freedom, equality, basic human rights for nearly my entire life, he said. On the front lines of the bloody campaign to end Jim Crow laws with blows to his body and a fractured skull to prove it, Mr. Lewis was a valiant stalwart of the civil rights movement and the last surviving speaker from the March on Washington for jobs and freedom in 1963. If you haven't seen it, please watch the video of him speaking in 1963 at the March on Washington. He was the youngest speaker and now the last speaker at that To last surviving speaker and now he's passed on. Today in my newsletter, which I hope all of you got in your inbox. If you didn't, please subscribe. I'll tell you how to find it. It's sreenet.substack.com, sreenet.substack.com. You can see that address right on your screen. I was able to talk about John Lewis and his impact And you can see a photograph that uh, I took with him, a selfie in 2013, at the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund dinner where he was honored. I host that dinner every year with Juju Chang. And I told him I was a journalist. And he's saying at this moment, as I take the photo, he's speaking. And he said, thank you for teaching journalists. You know, without them covering us, we could not have done what we did. This is what I call a life highlight To have met John Lewis and been in his presence. I had the honor of being in his presence a couple of times at other events, but never so close. Never had a conversation until this moment in 2013. It has stayed with me, my it will stay with me the rest of my life. Here is a a video of him speaking at the March on Washington. And I will play that for you in just a minute. Uh, We are going to be joined in a couple of minutes. By Tim Salau, and we're so excited to have him uh, with us. And he'll be here in just a minute. In the meantime, I want all of you to uh, go into your inbox in case you uh, subscribe. Check if it's in your spam folder. My Sree Sunday note, and you can find it sreenet.substack.com. Sreenet.substack.com. My archives of my uh, my YouTube archives of all my videos is at sreenet.youtube.com. And let me first thank our sponsors for making it possible for us to do this show. Without them, we couldn't do anything, and so we're so grateful to our sponsors. Let me start by telling you about Muckrack and the free course that we are offering, Fundamentals of Social Media for Journalists, PR Pros, and Everyone. It's a free certificate that you can get, mrack.co slash social mrac.co slash social. More than 4,000 people have taken the course, and you can too. Please sign up right now, mrac.co slash social. And we also want to tell you about another fabulous show that we have. It's called She's On Call. I'm not on camera. I'm the co-executive producer with my fabulous surgeon friends, Dr. Sujana Chandrasekhar and Dr. Marina Kurian. And I'm going to play a short ad for this show. This morning's show is fantastic. You can find it at She's On Call, on Facebook and on Twitter. Please check the show out and let me play the ad. And after that, you will meet
1: Tim Salau. Hi, I'm Dr. Sujana Chandrasekhar. I'm an ear, nose and throat surgeon in New York City and New Jersey. And I'm Dr. Marina Kurian. I'm a general surgeon in New York City area. We'd like to introduce you to our new show, She's On Call. We air live on social media platforms from 11 a.m. to noon every Sunday, Eastern Time. We discuss the medical topics of the week. We have two great guests, experts in their field that help us analyze and look at some of the topical issues of healthcare. And we are on 11 to 12, so please join us. We'd love to answer your questions, so please share and watch and send us your questions and comments.
2: See you Sundays at 11.
0: So everyone, please do subscribe when you get a chance. Check out the show, She's On Call, and subscribe. Please make sure you tag your friends right now. We're going to meet Tim Salao. He's known as Mr. Future of Work. And we are going to try to be positive tonight, if at all possible, with everything that's going on. But please follow at Tim Salao. And right now, please go on to Facebook, Twitter, youtube and linkedin and share the posts we're live on all those platforms right now and without further ado let me bring on stage mr future of work tim salao hi tim three what's up man well there's a mr positive right there oh dude i love your show thank you i appreciate that very much i'm so grateful you're here no, me too, man. Me too. This is an amazing show. You
3: do it really, really well, man. You do an amazing job. I love it.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 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 We were both supposed to be in Las Vegas, weren't we? We were, man. We were, but things happened. COVID happened. <laughs> COVID. No, but let's let's be clear. I mean, on I, one of the things I say on the show is that COVID happens. We're fighting Mother Nature, but we're also yeah. fighting an infodemic of yeah. uh, misinformation, disinformation from governors, from the president, from bad actors all over, and it's causing a problem. But we were going to be with a bunch of our friends yeah. speaking at a big conference in Las Vegas this week. And in fact, one of the shows I did this week was about Vegas. We called it Vegas Under COVID. trying <laughs> to understand everything that was going on there. So I felt like I was in Vegas. Uh, it was certainly hot enough to be in Vegas. Uh, and uh, But here we are, and we're going to talk to you and get your sense of your uh, sense of what's happening with COVID and also to understand the future of work. Let me just show everyone our poster for this session. This is Tim. He's Mr. Future of Work. He's the founder of Guide App. He's at Tim Salau. Please follow him. And what we say is, how can you be positive in the middle of all this? We'll try, but you can see he's a generally positive person. Look at his Twitter photo, like that's gotta be one of the happiest Twitter photos in history. And look at him smiling away here too. So let's start with a basic question. How are you? Where are you? How is your family through all of this? And then we'll go from there.
3: You know, Sri, thank you so much for asking. So doing well currently, you know, currently in Oakland, California. So if you're if you're tuning in to Sri's show from Oakland and you're learning more about positivity, let us know. We'll definitely engage with you in the comments, but you know, doing well Sri. We'll have to say doing really well. You know, for me personally, man, this has been really tough times. You know, for us, we had to pivot our business, but it was it was a positive pivot. But really seeing all of the all of the all of the misinformation, all of the hysteria, all of the violence, all of the sadness in the world. It has been tough to be positive, but been maintaining a a, a can do attitude. What about what about you, Street? You know, how are you? What's going through your mind?
0: Wow. Thank you. You know, very rarely do people ask me that. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'll just say that it's been fascinating to uh, see uh, everything that's been happening in the world, all kind of converging. We lost John Lewis this weekend. I mean, uh, like bad news piled up on bad news. But we also have seen people do incredible things and people sacrifice so much. And I feel really bad for people in California because you folks were the first to lock down and then you opened up too fast. Isn't that what happened? And now look at what's happening.
3: Yeah, exactly, Sri. You know, that's exactly what happened. And one thing that we all can learn from this is that this is a time right now where we have to be cautious. You know, wherever you're currently tuning into to Sri's show from or wherever you're at, you know, if you are scared, the best thing you can do right now is wear a mask, be mindful of your surroundings, be mindful of how are you keeping healthy And we, you know, here in in California, because during COVID, personally, I have been to Texas and I've also been in California. And while I was in Texas visiting my family, you know, Texas was completely taking this a different way. Texas was actually our barbershops were open People are going now. The governor of Texas has been not as conservative as our governor here in California. So when I came back to Oakland around what, I think it was June, it was I could tell that it was a completely different environment here, and especially in Silicon Valley, where we're much more kind of connected to our phones and information. So we're we're taking things so cautious because we we understand network effects. We understand how how virus viruses spread. And no one wants to get caught up in something. Um, as as sickening and as um, viral as this. And then more importantly, our mayor here in the San Francisco area, as well as the, the mayor of Oakland, they've been taking this really, really seriously, right? Not trying to risk any lives. So my biggest thing that, that we've been encouraging everyone as guide, uh, our company, and then even me as a leader, just encouraging people to realize, look, this is not a time to risk your life. You have to be cautious. And then more importantly, you have to be mindful and take care of your mental health tree. You know, for, for us to talk about positivity right now, you know, my belief is that people are struggling to remain positive and abundant and happy because they feel as if the world is in chaos. We'd love to get your thoughts, man.
0: Yeah. I, I like the way you keep throwing things back at me. Uh, this is a, a good technique for a person who does so much on the air. So you know how to how to do that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you're you're our guest, and we want to focus on you. We want to we want people all to meet you and get to know you. Uh, so you're known as Mr. Future of Work, and you can see your first of all. Let let it let's show everyone that you're so cool that I can't connect with you on on LinkedIn. Right, uh, you're second level, but there's only a follow button. There isn't a connect button. So that's something about how how uh, advanced you are on LinkedIn. And it says here, uh, CEO at guideapp.co, B2B learning and talent development for your remote teams and international keynote speaker and global tech leader creating in Oakland, California. And there are two emojis here. I can see a yin and a yang and a yoga yeah. emoji. So that's that's awesome. And you can see that we have 164 mutual connections, which, wow. is, which is pretty, problem, pretty cool. Man. And look how many followers you have, 264,000 Followers, so I hope you hit this up on LinkedIn where we are right. We're live on LinkedIn, so I hope you'll find me while I'm talking and tell your uh, folks on LinkedIn that of we are right. we are live right now. And uh, we also want you to tell us a little bit about Guide app. So that everybody learns about it too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, thank you so much once again, Tree, for the
3: opportunity to come on your show, man. You're so abundant and positive, man. So, so fortunate to be on your show. So Guide is a bite-sized skills training platform for enterprise remote teams. So essentially, people and enterprise customers use Guide right now to train their remote workforce. So we actually recently launched our product around COVID-19, and the reaction around our product has been amazing. You know, right now we currently have a few customers that are enterprise customers that we're building the product with and co-creating the experience with them in in, in the product. And we also currently have a wait list of 200 customers who are excited about our our product and our platform. And, you know, we couldn't have launched at a better time um, with the work that we're doing with Guide. You know, initially, even to backtrack a little bit, we actually positioned Guide as a life skills training application about a year ago but because of covid-19 we realized you know what there's a bigger market opportunity for our product and we were already building it on cloud software which allows you to really scale your product really quickly so around covid-19 because we realized you know what we could actually bring this product into the into a into a enterprise market you know we've been actively building and we've received a lot of attention from investors as well as
0: customers who really want to join us in the movement that we're building So that's that's awesome to uh, to see that and to see what you're building there. So how does it work and how can so people should just go to that early access button and yep. click on that and and get in line and that's yep. that's, uh, it. that's uh, yeah. So just fill this in and so who is this for and roughly how much will it cost? Yeah. So this is actually so Guide
3: is for HR leaders, executives. So we actually sell our product to HR leaders and execu- executives who want to use Guide to train their remote workforce. So training and talent managers can use it to make sure that you can actually you can actually train your or onboard new hires with Guide. So essentially what Guide replaces is your 10-page training documents. We replace that. Nice. <laughs> That's what we replace. And if you think about it, you can also share some of the bite-sized content on Guide within your internal, you know, wiki, such as Slack, Microsoft Teams. And what, what the trend that we're really kind of catching on, Sri, is this shift to remote work, right? For example, Sri, you have a camera and everything at home that you have a setup as. You could be creating bite-sized content to train maybe your team or some of the people that you work with. And... Within Guide, we actually offer the camera for enterprises to be able to use to 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 have their 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 actual content creators, their knowledge workers creating content um, to train each other and learn from each other. So instead of them having to go buy or acquire a vendor or you know pay to have a video production team to create training courses for them, they can actually do it all in Guide. So it's an end-to-end solution.
0: Oh, congratulations! The Guide app. Co. So everyone should check that out. That yeah. we, <laughs> uh, one of the things we do on the show, Tim, is what I call a global tour. We Ooh. try to see who's watching from around the world. So as we do that, just tell us if you uh, have memories of any of the places we go. We 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 uh, we hear from. One of the things is that somebody said, "Oh, this is my bucket list," and then he said, "No, not my bucket list. My life list because bucket list <laughs> implies." That you're moving on. So let's start with New York and Union Square. Jonathan Borstein has watched 130 straight days. He's been watching the show with us. He's been a guest on my hundredth show. But talk to me about New York and your your memories of New York.
3: Oh my goodness! Shout out to you, Jonathan. Thank you so much for watching Sri's Show. You are probably one of his top fans. Love that. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for tuning in. So my memories of you. So, so Street. It's funny enough. I actually used to kind of temporarily lived in New York when I was working with WeWork, which was this company that I where that I was working with that was the chief evangelist. So we work about a few months ago, you know, one of the top brands in the world. They're still pretty awesome in a sense, um, you know, even though they had to go through a lot of the turmoil with the changing CEO. But my memories of New York, man, you know, New York is 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 a very gritty city. And they've been actually battling, you know, COVID-19 pretty hard. And so shout out to Mayor Cuomo and the entire New York uh, uh, city, but New York is one of those cities where, man, if you just look in the sky, you always feel a sense of hope. And when I was living with when I was living in New York and working with WeWork, man, I I just always loved just walking around New York because you felt the energy, you felt everyone aspiring for something. So for me, man, my earliest my my best memories of New York were at night. You know, you know, thinking about okay. Thinking about work, actually, (laughs) thinking about work, um, thinking about, okay, what am I going to do to hustle today? Because New York is just that city where you go to the hustle and and you just meet amazing people who want to create.
0: Oh, there's baby Tim right here.
3: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Back in my old days when I was at, at UT Austin, man.
0: Yeah, you you graduated from, you did your master's in 2018 in information science, and then you did your BA in psychology. That must be useful in trying oh. to understand the digital world, huh? Sri, it's, it's so useful, man. It's so useful. So it's probably 110% what I do as a
3: product and, and CEO, as a product leader and CEO, 100%. The
0: psychology.
3: Psychology. Uh, it's, it's 100% psychology and uh, a little bit of software.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I want to hear what you're drinking there because it's obviously so good. What is that? So this is
3: a, I believe it's a smoothie from a, a local, local shop in, in Oakland. It's the, the shop is actually not called Greenware. It's called something else. I forgot. I, I would have to check my Uber. But I, I actually just came from, from the store and, and, and just hopped on your show, man.
0: Nice. Thank you for doing that. I, I, I just presume everything you do, you have a deal. You have an <laughs> endorsement deal from Jamba Juice or something like that, you're such a star. Dude, I would love that street. We need to talk to Jamba Juice about
3: that. If you're if you're watching from Jamba Juice, let us know.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, Rajan, who's been on my show, he was on our uh, July 4th show talking about what New York, what America means to me. He's watching from Long Island, have you been? I actually have not been to Long Island. Okay, how about Kerala, India? Have you been to India? I wish. Okay. <laughs> How about Asia? You've been to Asia?
3: So Asia, no, I haven't yet. It's okay. actually on my bucket list. It was on my bucket list for this year, but then guess what? COVID-19 happened. Yes, <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> all right. Mark Mark is watching from Durham, North Carolina. Have you been? Durham, North Carolina. I actually,
3: I haven't been to Durham. I don't think I've been to Durham, but I have. Is the is University of North
0: Carolina in Durham, mark there's that there's that triangle right the research triangle so yeah you've been there. so you've been to unc that's pretty good cool. unc yeah oh, I've been cool there. and uh nick hill's watching from connecticut and 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 mark says uh, we're talking about john lewis earlier before you joined us is yeah. i love john lewis's idea of making good trouble and mm. also speaking of good trouble you did a masterful job uh, yesterday i did a fundraiser with our uh good friend farid Zakaria. Uh, from CNN, and he he was terrified. Thank you, Mark, for those kind words. And um, Makrand is watching, and he says, missing John Lewis uh, and Amiri Baraka. And uh, Stefan just linked to my newsletter. Thank you for doing that. And <laughs> Mark says we lost two icons yesterday. The Reverend C. C- T. Vivian also passed yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so many people are here just talking. And Stefan says I had to recharge today after feeling so sad about Representative Lewis's passing. So I spent an hour in a nature preserve here in Northern New Jersey, inspired to play with light and color, thanks to my ultra talented Simi Joyce of my Spin It Social Hour. She was a guest on a show. She, she was just absolutely terrific. Uh, we're putting links in here. And Rahajan says, I attended a master class by Miri Baraka at the Cherry Lane Theater in the 1990s. Carla's watching from Florida. Florida is now the epicenter, folks, of mm-hmm. this crisis. And Carla's there. Which parts of Florida have you been to? So I actually have not, I've not been to Florida yet, man. Wow. Okay. you got to go to Florida before you go to India. Come on.
3: <laughs> I do. I do. So, and so I'm actually sharing, you know, our, our episode right now on LinkedIn and Twitter. So I love the fact that we're doing this because we're impacting so many people, man. So truly, once again, it's truly an honor to be on your show because this is just so much positivity. And you know, I I'm really I'm really grateful
0: to be on your show, man. Thank you. Rajan says, I love your laugh, Tim. Um, <laughs> and Laurie says, watching from Dobbs Ferry, New York, love the laughter right off. Oh, thanks. They you. Love right from the top. And Ashok says, Really, what a positive and laughing start.
3: Love your laugh. Oh, thanks, Ashok. So I want to actually touch on because someone was talking about John Lewis. And you know, I think we all need to have our moment of silence around that. You know, John Lewis is one of the most, how do I say Compassionate leaders. And I love that street, street meets everyone. Look at the street, so famous, man, look at that. (laughs) But you know, I think one of the things that is on my heart about John Lewis is that, you know, for whoever is listening right now, if you have a movement that you want to lead, lead it now, right? Right now the world we feel is like a guy, we feel it's going through a transition period. And for me personally, as a leader, I have been very at- adamant online and even with our company and, you know, my personal communities to tell everyone that I know that, look, if you want to start something, if you want to create a new world right now is the time to lead your movement and do it. Because people like John Lewis, you know, they sacrifice their entire lives, their entire lives for social justice. You know, so if there's anything that you want to do right now. To create a more equitable world, a more inclusive world, a better
0: world, you got to do it now. Don't wait. Do it now. Wow, that's really a good. That's really good advice. Give me an, a sense of what you're seeing. The true effects of COVID 19. Talk about the positive and negative. Apart from obviously the death, uh, we're we're so sad about the people who are dying, the people who are sick. Uh, but talk about the economic effects and other yeah. parts of this. Yes,
3: yeah, really. No, thank you so much for asking. You know on one end the economic effects my belief is that it's actually forcing our current leadership in our executive office to think that we have we need more authoritarian structure when when you look at technology it's actually shifting right to empower consumers empower more decentralization and even at the state level and what we're seeing economically is a lot of states are taking their own on lead in how they see themselves handling covid-19 so California is treating it differently than Texas, right? In California right now, government, um, Governor Newsom has completely declared that all counties stop opening restaurants, no one should go out, everyone should stay in. And that's at the state level and the local level that he's that he's leading that that um, mandate. So when you think about that move, the move to decentralization and us really thinking more so of how do we create change at a local and, 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 a, and a state level, I think now we have to hold our federal government accountable to supporting this movement, to support this movement towards decentralized authority and be more relaxed in how they are focusing on issues around, you know, on, around how do we allow states to empower their people? So the focus of the federal government, in my opinion, should be around health care, health care, education, all of the things that benefit everybody, right? Not, you know, the, the current focus of our of our government shouldn't be around, you know, breaking off relationships with world leaders. It should be around how we focus at a national level on preserving our public health care system, on ensuring that everyone has access to equitable education, no matter where they go to school or what circumstance that they're born in. And I think more fundamentally, it should be focused on how are we ensuring that Everyone, especially and people who are small business owners, can succeed post-COVID-19 and as we transition away from COVID-19, right? I think offering loans and you know and, and, and the and the stimulus that was given, that's one element of the solution. But when it comes to being a small to medium business owner, you also need a team, you also need wraparound services. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of different dynamics. So it's not just a matter of the capital as uh, uh, from a debt, stamp, st- debt debt standpoint. It's also a matter of how you're nurturing the communities that small to medium b- business owners operate in. So I think these are all fundamental things that we need to be paying attention to, Sri. Would love to get your thoughts if you have any.
0: No, this is my interview. You listen to me. You speak to me. I'm not answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. <laughs> uh, first of all, you have to tell us how are you so positive? How are you smiling? Like if you pay attention, you wanna cry all day. So I tell people we have to laugh. We did a humor episode, like episode number 20 because there was too much pain. There's still too much pain. And no. so we were laughing because if you don't laugh, you'll cry all day. So tell us about your energy. Where does that positivity come from?
3: Yeah, man, Three. Really, you know, for me, it comes from gratitude, a place of gratitude. I love reading books. Shout out to Ruby Core. Ruby Core, milk and Honey. You know, understanding that the, what's timeless in our in our lives right now, especially times like this, is family. Family's timeless. Family's timeless. You being able to appreciate the opportunities that are presented to you, you know, the work. If you're doing fulfilling work, that's timeless. These are the things that for me personally keep me happy, Sri. And you know, it's also realizing that we can create a better tomorrow, stream right? It's not, you know, we're, we're not our circumstances, you know? And I think more importantly, when we realize we're not our, our circumstances, we can join forces with people such as yourself <laughs> who are creating a, a better tomorrow, who are, who are putting positivity out there, and we can create abundance together. So that, that's how I keep positive, man, just being in the moment being grateful and, and building relationships with, you know, other positive people, Matt.
0: And I just wanted everyone to know about Rupi Kaur. Uh, Kaur, Kaur Rupi Kaur is a Indian Indian-born Canadian poet, illustrator, and author, and her debut book, Milk and Honey, sold more than 2.5 million copies worldwide and spent a full year on the New York Times bestseller list. Doesn't often happen with poetry books, but it did, and that's what you're reading now. So we're teaching people as we go along here. And uh, she she is terrific and has had really a global audience for her work, uh, starting on Instagram. And it shows you how you can grow and, and, and have more ways of connecting with the world. Uh, you built your platform on social. So talk a little bit about that. And we saw your LinkedIn already. Talk about your Twitter, Instagram, other things too, please. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So y'all,
3: so I know Sri is the social media mastermind. So... One grateful to be on this show to share my social media tips. So my my platform is is LinkedIn, y'all, and Sri's on LinkedIn too. So he can speak to you on how popping LinkedIn is, how amazing LinkedIn is. And literally, since I was in at university at University of Texas at Austin, I've been building my LinkedIn platform. But I'm also pretty active on on Twitter, and I have a Facebook community, and I also you know I'm pretty active on Instagram here and there as well. But my belief is that in the future of work, in order to succeed and have a positive future, have an abundant future, you have to start investing in your own professional brand, right? You know, do things such as what Sri's doing, right? Being a platform for his community, for you all, right? And for me, you know, I do something similar where we actively actually stream live to LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube, to speak to our community about the movement that we're building with guide and also to kind of have those conversations to really corral our community around the topics that we think matter. And we're moving towards a social future. I believe that the people who truly differentiate themselves in the working world are people who cultivate their careers. And here's what I mean by that, y'all. It's people who understand that your career isn't a short-term bet. It's a long-term bet. So that means you want to invest in doing things that are fulfilling. Invest in the why, not the what, right? And there's this really powerful concept around that, meaning designing a portfolio career. So not thinking of your career as this linear construct where you do one thing, but rather you want to be able to do things that are fulfilling, complement each other, but also add value, allow you to be of service based on the skills and strengths that you have. So Daryl is saying, yeah, but why do you have two LinkedIn pages? So Daryl, one is for my business <laughs> and the other one is for my personal LinkedIn profile. Great question, Daryl. Appreciate you, brother.
0: Yeah, Daryl's great. He's uh, in Richmond Hill and <laughs> he's, a, he's a business coach. He's also a leader in the Indo-Caribbean community, which is a huge community here in uh, in this part of uh, New York. And uh, let's see who else is watching here. Uh, Macron says, Newark, New Jersey is Oakland, California. Characteristically challenged American cities. You know each other. Yeah. And Rose says on LinkedIn, Tim has more than 200,000 followers. And uh, and uh, Rose is one of our two producers. She's fabulous along with Vandana Menon. Please follow them on Twitter, uh, Rose Horowitz 31 and Vandana underscore Menon. They make it possible for me to do the show every single day. And wow. Stefan says, as someone who has his own live stream show, The Spin it Social Hour, and Words with Sri as a DigiMentors pr- uh, producer, I'm most interested in hearing Tim's reason as to why he prefers keeping a headset for a broadcast <laughs> and how important a pro mic is like the one he's using. First of all, it looks really cool that he has that. So I've got to remove the banner so you can see how cool that microphone is. But there is also serious reasons why he has the headset and the microphone.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for, for me, I, I do a lot of podcasts, similar to three, and live podcasts and um, videos. So I had to get a professional setup, y'all. And these, these babies have sold out online. So they're really good, very simple. And this headset is really great to just kind of keep in the noise and keep you focused when you're interviewing and talking with people. Um, so it's, it's great. It's, it's really, really good. So I recommend it, my friend. I think it would be a great investment, especially now that everyone's working from home, learning from home, live streaming from home. I think it will go a long way for you.
0: Which which brand is that? So Blue. It's a Blue mic. Yes, I've heard of those. And your headphones? So headphones. Hmm. On on top, on top, on top. No, on top. Yeah, Audio audio Technicia. Okay, very good. Audio Technicia. Okay, and Roberta is watching, and she says hi from Richmond, Virginia. Have you been? I have not. Please and- bring me out to R- Richmond, Virginia, my friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rich- Roberta is an amazing friend, and we worked together. Oh my God, twenty-five years ago, but this when this when you were born. Um, uh, <laughs> by the way, seriously, so do you hate it when older people like me call you young or? Say you're too young. Does that do? Does that hurt? Do you feel like a reverse ageism or a kind of ageism when people point out how young you are?
1: You know. You know. For,
3: you know. I think wisdom comes in all ages. So I, I think that no, I don't get offended by it. I think it's 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 I I mean because I am young, it's the truth. But oh you know, for me, I think I yeah. my I'm youthful in exuberance. But in terms of how my belief in approaching life is, is that you want to approach life from a timeless um, standpoint. And what's timeless is family, friends, you know, impacting your community. So when, when someone says that, I think it's, it's because, you know, it's the positivity that they see in me. So I often say I appreciate that. Right. And I think, you know, we all have, uh, we all operate from a youthful place.
0: Not all of us. Some of us are old and look, we're all our hairs down. <laughs> and we're- a question for you on a, on a kind of more serious note about being young and also being African-American, being able to raise enough funding and have your own tech business like this. Did you face uh, roadblocks, hurdles? I can't imagine you didn't, but please tell us. Uh, yeah, you know,
3: it's, it's interesting because we really started fundraising about three months ago for Guide. And the reality is that personally, no, I haven't faced any roadblocks in terms of fundraising. You know, there's, for me, we've just been very persistent in how we've been building our company. But the reality is that a large, I've been privileged because I've worked with some of the top companies in the world. I've worked with Microsoft. I've worked with WeWork. I've worked with Facebook. I've worked with LinkedIn. And I've been in tech for quite some time in my career. So I even have to recognize my own privilege as a Black African-American man. On because I've worked in this industry and I know how to build software, you know, I'm privileged to be able to talk with investors and almost get the benefit of the doubt in that sense. But when you look at the data, the data shows that if you're an African-American and you go into an investment room and you pitch any investor, you are inherently disadvantaged just based on the data and because of the circumstance that you were born into being black and maybe not being born in the tech industry. So often. My I I find my responsibility and the responsibility of my company is for us to educate our community and educate those who come from low income, you know, communities on the fact that you can get into tech if you understand how to learn the language, right? Learn the lingo. And then more importantly, if you realize that tech isn't something that's too far away from, you know, what you do every day, right? I think things such as the smartphone, our computers the software that we use every day to do things like streaming are making technology more, more, more and more accessible. So the more we make technology feel accessible to people who come from low-income communities or are Black or are not traditional technologists, the better it is that we, 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 we address those gaps that may cause or prevent someone that is a Black African-American man, person of color, or person that not non-traditional LGBTQ, from raising capital right and succeeding and building their venture
0: we spoke this week to karen khan of i fund women a, a really important organization that is doing its best to fund women but their courses and everything are open to men as well and they give away so much for free so everyone please check that show out in our archives it was earlier this week, so you just go to youtube.com slash 3Net, and you can see all 130 episodes that we have done, and that was one of our very special episodes, as is this one. I like to tell all my guests that their show is the best. Their episode is the very best that we have ever done, but in this case, it it, it truly is so special to have you here uh, as, you're, as you're sharing your tips. What is one way in which people who want to start something, and they feel yeah. stuck, you said use this pandemic as an opportunity to do something that you may have wanted to do but didn't so give people that confidence to try something new to break out if they if they've been feeling stuck yes yeah, free you
3: know to to and shout out to everyone that's been commenting shout out to mark jonathan love your comments mark i love mark says Sri is an old just well seasoned <laughs> 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 love that man mark you are hilarious my brother you know Sri, and to everyone that's currently watching and are, are, you know look this your your future is literally a thought it's a thought what you think you can become literally right so if you have a trillion dollar vision right now if you have a billion dollar vision right now if you have a million dollar or a thousand dollar vision Whatever it is, that vision for the next steps of your career, your life—if you've thought it, it can be so. It can't be so, but you have to put in that traction, that effort, and that push to allow the future or the, the the what you want to come to you. You know, my 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 philosophy on life is that life is push and pull, y'all. It's push and pull. It's not you know, it's not linear, right? Life doesn't happen to us; we co-create what we want our lives to become through positivity, right? Understanding that there's always going to be a better day and optimism. So what you think can become so, right? So I want to leave you all with that, right? Because there's so many problems right now that are plaguing the world and there will always be problems, but what makes what makes us special as humans is that we have the creative intelligence and the and the grit and the capacity to create the solutions that we want to see in the world. So you do that,
0: y'all, do that, because it's possible. Thank you, folks. You're listening to a conversation with Tim Salau, Mr. Future of Work, and we're trying to be positive. It's normally harder, but he's so positive that I'm getting pumped up and excited. Uh, We are uh, gonna spend a few more minutes with him taking your questions. Please tag someone you know who cares about work, who cares about the future of work, is worried. Tell them about the show, tag them, retweet, share, text, WhatsApp people, tell them to come and listen to Tim. He's so positive and has so many ideas. Check him out on LinkedIn, on Twitter, connect with him please, because I know you will benefit the way I have from just listening to him. He has a great new product called guideapp.co. You have to wait in line for it, but he's offering early uh, access to people who sign up. And it's offered for individuals as well as for businesses who, are interested in training your team. And as some of you know, I have a business called DigiMentors. It's a social, digital, and virtual events okay. consulting business. And we do dozens of consulting events, a sorry, d- d- uh, dozens of virtual events every single month. And if you have a virtual event that you want to plan, please get in touch. My motto, don't cancel or postpone your in real life event without talking to me first. So please <laughs> email me, Sree at Sree.net. So I gotta get my team on guide well, as soon as I, I can. So we'll do that uh-huh. at, we talk offline about that. Let's uh, also I want to tell everybody that after we're done with this conversation uh with Tim so that he can go back to his earlier uh time zone life in California here it's almost 10 o'clock. We're going to Uh, talk a little more extensively about John Lewis and his legacy. I'm going to play you uh, some clips and we're just going to have a a great kind of reminiscence about uh, John Lewis and all he's done for the world. But for now, we're talking to Tim Salau and we're just so grateful to him for being here and for having uh, such great energy. Laurie says, you two are great together. Thank you, that's that's, that's (laughs) terrific. (laughs) I love hearing that. And Stefan says, no way, India first. No disrespect, no disrespect to Florida, but Florida can wait. This was about asking whether where you should go to India or Florida first. Uh, Janice is watching from Rhode Island. Hi, Janice. And look at this. You're getting all these kudos on your smile. Oh, thanks uh, so much, Janice. We appreciate it. Uh, you got to get like Colgate or somebody to sponsor you. This is- <laughs> and uh, Peggy's watching from Taipei. I know you were going to go to make your first trip to Asia before COVID so- hit. So Sri, I've actually been to
3: Taipei before. Oh, you have? Okay. I have been to Taipei before, and I actually okay. have pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taipei is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. I'm actually going to go back. Post-co-co-co. Is that right? Yeah. I mean,
0: we, I, I love I love uh, Taipei, and I recommend everybody check out Taipei. It's such a special place. So much going on there. So many interesting things. Taiwan, I spent one day there. Gone to Hong Kong, and uh, one of my friends arranged for me to speak in Taiwan for just a day. And I want to show you something funny that came out of uh, that particular uh, trip to Taipei. Uh, I don't think I've shown this to many people, but I'm going to show it to you now uh, because you've been to Taipei. So this friend of mine arranged for me to speak. And at this conference, there was this couple that came. It was a social media workshop and uh, and you can see this here. I said, this is the worst anniversary gift ever. Can you see the screen? Yeah, I can see it. So this gentleman, bought his wife a ticket to my workshop for their second anniversary. And they spent four hours of their special day in my session, my workshop. And I was grateful, but horrified that that's what happened, that they spent their anniversary with me. Wow, that's amazing. Why are you horrified? (laughs) I know if I bought my wife a ticket to a workshop for her anniversary, she's kicking me out. Uh, so that would not pass, and certainly not when we were, you know, married for two years. Now we're married for twenty, so things are a lot more loose in terms of the rules. But uh, I would not have survived uh, being uh, giving a workshop ticket. Uh, let's keep going. I love you, man. <laughs> That's a,
3: that's a, that's a, they definitely are part of the street fan club, man.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Ashok says, I'm a trained trainer with over three decades of experience in HR and training and development. I'm also working on the skills required for the future job market based on the seismic changes happening in the world of work. Skilling, reskilling, upskilling are the need of the hour. It's a lifelong process from cradle to graveyard. Beautifully put, Ashok. And he's in Kerala where my parents live. And he's invited you to Kerala, so you've got a a opportunity to go over. And Mark says Chapel Hill is next door to Durham, and that's where UNC is. And uh, so many comments coming from all over. Uh, Rajan says about John Lewis, is a compassionate leader. What we need is more compassion and empathy in our national leaders. Otherwise, we're just managers, not leaders. Talk about that. Talk about being a a leader, not a manager in your work. Tell us how big your team is you're putting that all together. You said your team pivoted, uh, talk about that, please.
3: Yeah, no, thank you so much, That's a This is a wonderful topic. And more importantly, compassionate doing is is in right now. That's what we should all be doing. You should be all building something or trying to solve the issues going on in the world, not just complaining or talking about it. So shout out to Stephen who says, I love that Tim is the man of action. I really appreciate that, Stephen. Thank you so much, I'm grateful for you. And so it's been, you know, building a team, building a venture, it's a long-term play as well as at the same time fundraising so we've been very focused on building a sustainable business and ensuring that our product is quality but to our comments that we're receiving you know right now you know is the perfect time for us to be launching what we're doing with guide due to the fact that we're an upskilling solution for a remote workforce Right, a mobile, remote workforce where every organization is going to have to invest in their talent, upskill their talent, and more importantly, train and onboard them seamlessly. So we're positioning Guide as that go-to solution and tool, and we're building the future. And I think it's fundamentally important for those who want to who want to change the world. You have to build the future. You have to address some of the problems that you're seeing. And you know, when we think about learning and upskilling, that's a problem that's not going to go away. So for us, you know, we see Guy being a venture, a company that's gonna be around for quite some time and the challenges that we face, you know, it's it's been interesting, man. I think as a leader, every day is day one. That's what I that's how I like to post things. Like you don't ever don't ever expect there to be a day two because day one will always come at you with surprises, with inspiration, and it will always be a reminder of why do you do what you do? Right. For us, we really believe in our mission of equipping every creator with the skills mindset and opportunities for a fulfilling career. Equipping every creator with the skills, mindset, and opportunities for a fulfilling career. So for us, it's a matter of every day waking up with a day one mindset on how are we achieving that mission. So it's tough, man. You know, sometimes things don't go your way, software breaks, investment investors may not be interested in investing. Oh well, we still have to move on with the day one
0: mindset. Day one mindset. I like that. That's a great way of thinking about this. So just to understand for people who just tuned in guideapp.co, it's for HR people, but there's also a portion of it that you are saying is for creators. So make that clear to us. There are lots of people watching who are creators yeah. who, uh, who aren't interested in the HR function. Yeah. So talk about that. Yeah. So uh, part
3: of a guide and our value proposition for the enterprise is that we're actually curating our own creators who are going to be a part of our guide community and our guide movement and brand. So if you're someone that creates content related to professional development, it can be around communication, digital marketing, social strategy, like street, or business and entrepreneurship, please apply for early access. We would love to have you to be a part of our guide creator community so you can create content. And the big incentive for you is that we're actually going to be working on features to ensure that you get paid on guide for all of the amazing content that you create
0: that's huge that's really huge uh like uh macron says on Tim allow smile like a rainbow after rain joy reveals after sorrow rupee core oh, <laughs> amazing look at that you really have fans here now that's love I, I, I love seeing that uh folks if you didn't know this uh, if you didn't catch that earlier our friend here tim was the chief evangelist at we work and now i don't know if you are guided by or bound by Non NDAs, non disclosure agreements, or anything like that. But can you talk about WeWork? Are you allowed to talk about any NDAs? So so tell us a little bit about, you know, that's what Mary Trump said, right? NDAs don't count. Uh, But if you can talk about like what worked there to get them to where they did, and then where did they hit that wall and look at the trouble that they were in? Now they're coming out of it. So talk about that journey, please.
3: Yeah, man. You know, uh, for for me personally, you know, I decided to work with WeWork because I was working with amazing leaders. And, you know, what worked to get them what they were what worked to get them to where they went or where they were was the leadership. Um, and being formerly Adam Newman and the culture that they were cultivating from the ground up. And they were truly cultivating a movement around this mindset of we. And then more importantly, around how they, they actually caught a trend, which was the shift to flexible workspaces and mobile. Work, which, which my belief is, is still going to be around, um, even post their leadership changes. But you know, it just got to a point where there's, there's what gets you to a certain point won't be what gets you to that next point. And they didn't really operationalize a culture and a business that could scale. You know, and that I think is what caused the, the downfall. To and the leadership changes, and then all of the things around the former CEO's personal brand and some of the things that he was doing within the culture. All of that played to creating this, I believe, this um, this movement away from you know everyone embracing WeWork like the amazing brand that it was to WeWork, you know, now really not being talked about. When you think about some of the top brands and startups that are out there and you know and you know you also see in the markets that they were really they were highly valued beyond their worth which often happens to um unicorns and hyper growth startups and they weren't really operating at that level they didn't even have sustainable cash flow to say to validate why they would value where they were at but you know i say that all in all to say that it, for me personally was a great time it was a great experience you know, and I left you know in you know uh, um, I left at the right time because <laughs> at that time I, I was already building my company and more importantly I learned a lot I learned about the type of company I wanted to build and I used all those learnings to build my own company
0: what are three things you've kept in mind as you built your company in terms of the culture you want to have in yeah. your company a mindset of abundance is important you want to cultivate that within a culture.
3: Leadership, having a leadership framework is crucial. So a mindset of abundance, having a leadership framework, and then more importantly, embrace a day one mindset. You have to you have to ensure that you as a leader embrace a day one mindset and you foster that mindset within everyone else. Every day is day one. Every day is day one. There's no day two because once you have a day two, people get lazy. Or once you have a day two, your company is on the brink of death. So once you have that day one mindset, you're always thinking about how do we innovate for the customer every single day? And staying hungry, right? And staying hungry, I love that Sri,
0: staying really hungry. Ashok says, be empathetic. Team is together, everyone achieves more. I love that. That's, that's I love cool. it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I love cool. that. There's so many comments coming in here. I, I do wanna ask you, Tim, uh, before we let you go, uh, what should people who are thinking about everything that's happening here in, 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 in America today, let's talk about the three things, the medical crisis, healthcare crisis, the financial and economic crisis, and the racial inequality crisis. Mm-hmm. Go through each and talk about your thoughts. And if you could, I don't know, wave a magic wand, what would you do about each of those crises?
3: So you're so. Let me relay that. So the economic crisis, the financial crisis we're seeing, as well as the crisis that we're seeing from uh, a a social stand justice standpoint,
0: correct? And also the healthcare crisis. Yeah, and so three, three crises. Yeah. yeah, yeah, almost four. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> right. And, and uh, um, yeah. Uh, so you know, for the as far as the healthcare crisis, look. Simply put, we need to focus on improving our healthcare infrastructure and ensuring that everyone has access to the same quality education, it's accessible, it works for everybody and that more importantly that we are we are we are preventing you know this virus from being a continued issue. So that is, that's big for me. So I believe that, you know, that the federal government and the state level and and, and the states need to work together on that. This is not, it's not just one person or one state's responsibility. It needs to be the collective responsibility so we can take care of our nation in the U.S. and then at a greater level, our own, our humanity. Now from a economic and the financial crisis, small to medium business owners need help right now. So if you are building solutions from them I think this is the time to do it, right? They are. They need help. They need support. So we're seeing so many of them shift to delivery services, or having to shut down their business because there's no customers coming in because everyone's at home, right? Or ha- or being forced to take loans and maybe sometimes not even be be able to be approved for them because you know they're economically disadvantaged already. So if you are, if you can build anything for small to medium businesses, please think about building it right now. And then lastly, I think. From an equity and social justice standpoint, that what we're seeing from a race relations in terms of our current economic climate, you know, we cannot continue living in a world where racism is encouraged or racism is is, is something that's satisfactory. My belief is that hi, I hate racism. Like everyone should hate racism. Racism shouldn't be something that anyone you know swallows a pill around or or stays silent around. So my my big theme for for everyone that's fighting this fight, because I believe that you know we need to continue building an anti-racist world. You know, do not be complicit when you see things that are ethical, unethical, immoral, and downright racist and prejudiced. Be able to pinpoint that out, and you know, fight to be an advocate for change when it comes to racism. Right? You know, we're seeing it a lot in the venture capital industry, in the tech industry, on a lot of companies really having to do with the dirty work and the gr- and the gritty work, and completely shifting from creating these very homogenous cultures within their workforce that aren't diverse to shifting to diverse and inclusive cultures that can actually derive more innovation. And I believe that's how we succeed as a nation, as a humanity, through our diversity. So I believe, you know, we're, we're going to be moving towards a good direction. I, I, I do believe in the, in the mindset of ab- abundance and optimism. But right now, we all have a responsibility to play. It's not just our federal government. It's, just not, it's not just our governor, governors. It's everyone in a position of leadership to change.
0: And you're optimistic that it can happen?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm optimistic it can happen with collective action. Collective action.
0: What about the uh, kind of people you hire for your company? Where do you find them? Where do you source them? Are you looking to hire in the next few months? Oh, yeah. And absolutely. since you're, and since you're a remote, you help remote companies. Are you remote yourself or do you worry about that? Like are people, what is the future of offices? Talk about that too, please.
3: Oh my gosh, that's such a powerful question, my friend. So my views on the future of offices and and the workspace is that it's going to be hybridized. It's going to be, it's not going to be, you know, we're going to see a lot of organizations shift to a remote work, a remote first work culture. So we do, we are hiring, you know, check out GuideApp.co. We have our virtues and our mission on there please check it out we do live by it because we as leaders live by it and i as a leader live by it and you know one of the big things is that we look for people with entrepreneurial energy and people who have a heart of service for creators people who build things people who want to want to create value in the world so definitely check that out And if you're interested in working with us apply we do have some roles open and we are going to be in a high growth position very very soon. So we're going to be looking for more people to hire. And once again, we are a remote first distributed organization. Okay. So that means by the way, the website looks so weird. And I think it's because it, <laughs> it's scrunched up. But we we are a remote first organization. Um, and we will be looking to hire, you know, beyond Silicon Valley. So if you are in the Western hemisphere, eastern hemisphere in Japan, India, we we actually Look for talent wherever talent is. And as long as it fits, fits some of our role and you're a great culture hire, we'll bring you on.
0: Wow, that's that's really great for people to hear, the people watching from around the world. Uh, before we let you go, uh, tell us what your week is like and how you prep for the week. It's, we're talking on Sunday night here. It's Monday in Taipei. So talk about how you're prepping for the week and what, what do you have coming up too?
3: Yeah, three meetings, all kinds yeah. of Meetings meetings with people, I don't even know their names, which is okay. (laughs) So, how I prep for the week, you know, I often start my morning learning something new and drinking a little bit of of, of a hot cup of tea. Here's my beautiful teacup.
0: It's tiny. Oh my God.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's good in moderation, my friend. Everything's good in moderation. So, I love jasmine green tea. In fact, I'm working on a tea brand that I'm excited to launch pretty soon
0: what else wait in the middle of all this you're launching a tea brand too yeah my friend yes this you is really sound like this is completely normal like I'm, I'm barely able to keep it together in one business and now you're telling me that you're creating a second business that you're doing like you're putting us to shame here <laughs> oh my goodness you know but the world needs tea
3: man you got to give the world what they need everyone needs some tea right now people need to soothe calm
0: down and mellow out and Didn't I love tea. Oprah have a tea brand like Tivana. Does, does, does oprah no didn't she have a brand called Tivana? wasn't she involved in that microsoft uh, not microsoft uh starbucks bought it got the yeah. wrong uh, did, yeah.
3: company yeah yeah oprah was probably involved in that somehow some way she's involved in everything everything but yeah no I, so yeah this is gonna be my own tea brand man i'm super excited for it bro
0: super excited for it all With right well mind. if you need anybody any early testers i'm not a tea drinker but my <laughs> wife and kids all drink lots of uh, you know caffeine and stuff so they'll yeah. they'll they'll be happy to try it out and uh tell us something about oakland that we don't know oakland
3: is i was gonna say oakland is where it's at but rather i want to say oakland is is a very artistic city it's full of creativity and i think and i and i don't think a lot of a lot of cities so new york city is full of hustle Right. And, the, and, and, you know, San Francisco is full of technology and, and tech, you know, t- tech purists. Oakland is is filled with creativity, like people who truly love illustrating and, and expressing themselves. And around the Black Lives Matter movement, you actually can walk all around Oakland. You see all kinds of examples of people expressing themselves, um, like graffiti on the wall and expressing their 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 perspectives on social justice issues through art. And I think a lot of people sometimes don't appreciate the creativity of the city, but it's something that I appreciate and I'm grateful for every time I, I get a chance to just leave my home and walk around and explore the city. So Oakland is super creative. If you ever come out here, go to the, go to the Sin Gardens, walk around the city, see all of the amazing exuberance that people showcase to the world on who they are and why they're so proud to live in Oakland. It's a, it's a, it's a truly beautiful place to live.
0: Rachel says, Oakland is where it's at. Agree, says Rachel Cooper. Oh, That's, thank pretty you, cool. Rachel. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, we have a whole uh, tea conversation going on now. And he starts his day with a daily cup of jasmine tea. Mark says, a friend of mine has a tea brand too. It's called Romance with a tea. And Stefan is hooked on Trader Joe's Moroccan mint tea. It is my go-to every morning. I hear you, man. And with you, the world needs more tea right now. Oh, my goodness. good vibes.
3: Yes, 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 yes.
0: And Mark is willing to try your tea out. Yes, thank you so much, Mark. And Mark, you've got one customer. There you go. Mark says there have been some powerful murals across the city, both in Oakland and in Durham. There's also powerful spoken word community in Oakland area as well. And I remember the first time I really thought about Oakland was when This is long before your time, but MC Hammer, I think, put Oakland on the map in a way, you call it Oak Oak Town, right? And Oak Town, I think, right? Wasn't that one of the ways it's called, one of the shortcuts for Oakland? Yeah. And and, uh, we saw his creativity, and he's like on all all the platforms as well. He got it, yep, yep, yep. MC
3: Hammer, man, the Hammer Man. Dude, (laughs) you know him? Would love if you can introduce us.
0: You know, it's, this is the strange part of life that uh, someone like um, like Mr. Hammer, as I call him, are uh, connected on Twitter, and uh, I will connect you with him. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll have a little uh, conversation with, uh, with him. I'm hoping to get him on my show in the months ahead. But, oh, definitely. But, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say I got Tim Salau. Now I'm allowed to ask you to be on my show. Again. <laughs> uh, I got the second biggest celebrity in Oakland, so now I can go for the king of Oakland. That's
4: a great pitch, brother.
0: (laughs) Uh, But we've got to let you go because I'm sure you've not even had dinner yet while over here. It's already 10 o'clock. We are just getting ready here to, I want to tell everybody a couple of shows coming up this week. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about Portland and the terrible situation in Portland. You may have heard about this. Mm. Uh, The federal government is sending in undercover and other folks in there, even though the mayor is saying don't come, they're coming in and and uh, attacking people. It's just a terrible situation. So we're going to have some terrific local journalists and activists speaking to us tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern, 24 hours or so from now. So please join us for that. And then on Thursday night, we are very honored to have with us a very important global journalism leader. Maria Ressa will be with us. She's Uh, one of the best-known Filipino journalists in the Philippines. She's been arrested as for her work as a leading investigative reporter. Uh, She was included in Times Person of the Year, collection of journalists from around the world fighting uh, fake news. She's an incredible person. Uh, She was arrested June 15th, but she will be here with us on Thursday night. So everybody who can, please join us. Our show, please Follow us on Twitter at Sri, and also on YouTube. Please subscribe. One of the things I've learned him is how hard it is to get subscribers on YouTube. You got to work oh, it super it's, hard. It's super complex. <laughs> yeah, it's super complex. And um, and uh, here's Rich saying, "Is Portland practice for what Trump will do if he loses and won't leave? We'll find out tomorrow when we talk about what is happening in Portland. We need to understand. We need to pay attention, everybody." to places like what's happening in Portland we need to see. And now I wanna let you go and then we're gonna continue our conversation and thinking about John Lewis. A final word from you, sir.
3: Thank you, Sri, for having me on the show. And more importantly, everyone, lead your movement. It's the time to do it now and you know, lead it and lead it with positivity.
0: That's awesome, perfect guest for Positivity Night here despite everything we have going on. I want to remind everyone who our guest is, this is one of the things we do on the show is run our title card again so that people know who they just saw so that they can find you and follow you uh, at Tim Salao on Twitter. Find him on LinkedIn. The happiest Twitter photo in history right there. And you saw it matched. Usually it doesn't match. The person who comes on, if they're smiling, they may not always be smiling, but you clearly are. Thank you very much, Tim Salau. We wish you the very best and good luck with everything you're doing and good luck with guideapp.co.
3: Sri, thank you, it was truly an honor. Bye everyone, be well.
2: (laughs) That was Kim Salaam. Now we're gonna shift gears a little bit and talk about the great John Lewis. John Lewis was, uh, as you know, uh, a great conscience of of, of Congress and a real moral authority in this country. As we talked yesterday on my show with Mary Curtis, who's a political reporter, uh, she said that he's not a civil rights icon, he is an American icon. And here is the cover of the New York Times. Uh, please check it out. It says, here you can see, civil rights icon turned conscience of Congress. This was Catherine Q. Seeley, uh article as the lead obit in the New York Times, and we uh, read parts of that this morning. Also, another horrifying story here. Passing off virus burden, White House fuel the crisis, eager to shed blame for failures.
0: Trump's team embraced rosiest projections, and those rosy projections are causing great pain all over the country. But as much as Trump is to blame, we also blame the governors who refused to shut down, who refused to let mayors make mask ordinances. And that's what's happening in Georgia right now. And you're seeing the, the Georgia and North Carolina have at all-time highs in terms of cases and the president is lying to you when he says it's because there's more testing, because there's orders of magnitude more COVID cases than there are actual tests being done. So there is no way that that would be what's happening. He also says it's because of more testing. Well, you know that uh, that WHO and others have, uh, expect a rate um a. Uh, what they call the positivity rate to be about 5% of everybody you you test. In Arizona, it's something like 37%. It's because there's more coronavirus in this country, and we are heading right into school opening season, and we're gonna run into a lot of trouble around that. I promised you we'd talk about John Lewis, and what I'm gonna do now is to play a clip from an interview I did yesterday with a great expert on America and American history my friend, Professor Manu Bhagwan, who is a professor of history and human rights at Hunter College in New York and the Graduate Center at CUNY City University of New York. So I'm gonna go over to my uh, iMovie and share with you uh, what we talked about yesterday. So uh, please share this conversation with your friends and family. You can still tag them and they can watch Tim Salau, and then they can watch this conversation as well. There's about a five minute clip of Manu talking uh, to me yesterday. I was so grateful that he was that he was here with me. So I'm gonna play this and we'll give you a chance to uh, respond. Please continue to post your comments as well.
5: Well, at a personal level, um, well, it feels very personal, let me put it that way. It feels very personal. It's, um, I feel sad at a personal level. But one thing uh, that strikes anyone who's about John Lewis or ever interacted with him uh, in a personal way uh, would know right away, is that sadness was not something that he abided by. Um, He was, one might say, hopelessly optimistic. Um, He he never let uh, grievance or or bitterness, and he talked about this. I believe President Obama quoted him uh, uh, on this on this point recently. Um, he never let those kinds of sentiments get in his way. Uh, he was someone who said, "Just keep at it," and that's his message to us now. We just have to keep at it. We have to we have to find ways to get in the way, to make good trouble, uh, and to and to live up to this man's incredible legacy well thank you what is your thought
0: on where what his legacy means for all of us
5: um you know john lewis was a living legend he he brought the civil rights movement to our time uh and uh he he was he was um the last of the big six um he was the last
0: all right, I'm just going to see if I can play this in a different way for you so you can see it uh, better. Uh, let's just give it another try here. Uh, and I think this is going to be a better way for you to see this. So let's play this video right now.
5: You know, John Lewis was a living legend. He he brought the civil rights movement to our time. Uh, and uh, he, he was... He was um, The last of the big six, um, he was the last living speaker of uh, the March on Washington, um, throughout his life, in all of the challenges that he faced, he maintained an unbreakable commitment to nonviolence, uh, and he faced horrific violence in all of his campaigns. Um, and, uh, he would go rushing headfirst into those challenges uh, where he was often beaten brutally I don't think we should romanticize the violence that he suffered it was horrific and he nearly died several times in doing all of that Um, so if you ask what does John Lewis mean now what is his legacy I think his legacy is twofold one is that we must Maintain his faith in nonviolence, his unshakable, unbreakable faith in nonviolence. And secondly, with all the adversity that he faced, and coming from incredibly humble beginnings to the to the uh, leadership positions that he held, uh, I, I think we must value his faith in optimism and. Um, uh, Forceful positivity. uh, His belief that things can change, his faith that things can change however long the road is. And the road is long. But um, you know, at the end, um, there shall be justice. Thank you. In terms of
2: young people, you are a professor, you teach about civil rights. I've noticed how much of an appeal he had to young people. How do you uh, account for that? And what is your, well, why is he so relevant to young people today? And how should they be looking at his message as we look
1: forward?
5: Well, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the things. Um, John Lewis never sat on his laurels. He was always uh, at the forefront of, uh, of campaigns up until the very last moment. Uh, I think the last public photo of him was uh, with uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta uh, at the Black Lives Matter um, uh, mural that she uh, had assembled. Um, I, I, I think, you know, he was he was perturbed uh, by uh, the continuing violence against Black people in the United States, um, but he saw hope in them in the Black Lives Matter movements and protests that have broken out since the horrific murder of George Floyd um, and I, I think that people saw in him uh, genuineness um, empathy uh, that he heard them they felt heard by John Lewis and he that's He was inspirational, but he was inspirational precisely because he was so humble and he knew that leadership meant that you must feel the other people in the room, you must feel them and you must cherish and push them forward uh, in order to uh, uh, in order to truly uh, in order to truly
0: uh, make a difference. And that was Professor Manu Bhagwan, who teaches history as well as human rights at uh, City University's Graduate Center and at Hunter College. And he had the privilege of meeting John Lewis, as did I, and it's something you will never forget. For those of you who just joined us earlier, I was telling folks about my newsletter, which I certainly hope you will consider subscribing to, it's Sreenet. Dot substack.com And today's newsletter was all about John Lewis. And that's a photo. And here's what happened. I was talking to him. And as I was taking a selfie, I said, I teach journalists at that time at Columbia University. Now I teach at Stony Brook. And uh, he said, thank you for teaching journalists. You know, without them covering us, we would not have done what we did. We could not have done what he did, what we did, meaning, those who fought for civil rights. And so we've gone from that kind of statement to being told journalists are the enemy of the people. And that just tells you everything you need to know how America has lost such an important person and an important towering figure in American history. Let me show you a couple of other things in my newsletter and we'd love your feedback to any of this. Here is a part of his speech at the March on Washington, he was the youngest person to speak and the last person to be on that podium. One of the things we talked about yesterday on my spin-off show, WBAI Coping with COVID, Saturdays noon to two, is that he was, people like Dr. King were very worried that he was too fiery, that his remarks would shake things up too much, uh, especially because, you know, he was a Young gun at the time. So let's hear part of his remarks then, and then we'll see what he was doing just last month.
4: Well, I have mean, just- today for jobs and freedom, but we have nothing to be proud of. of Hundreds and thousands of our brothers are not here, but they're receiving starvation wages or no wages at all. While we stand here, they are sharecroppers. In the Delta of Mississippi, who are in the field working for less than $3 a day, 12 hours a day. While we stand here, there are students in jail on Trump up charges. Our brother James Palmer, along with many others, is also in jail. We come here today with a great sense of misgiving. It is true that we support the administration's civil rights bill, we support it with great reservation, however. Unless, unless tile three is put in this bill, there's nothing to protect the young children and old women who must face police dogs and fire hoses in the south while they engage in peaceful demonstrations. In its present form, this bill will not protect the citizen of Danville, Virginia, who must live in constant fear of a police state. It will not protect the hundreds and thousands of people that have been arrested upon Trump charges. What about the three young men, Snickfield Secretary and America's Georgia, who faced a death penalty for engaging in peaceful protests? At the stand the voting section of this field, will not help the thousands of white people who want to vote. It will not help the citizens of Mississippi, of Alabama, and Georgia who are qualified to vote the lack of sixth grade education. One man, one vote, it is an effort to a it is our tool, it must be
0: our. So we'll pause there. We encourage all of you to find that video and uh, listen to it and be inspired by it. It is so important that you listen and especially if you have children, uh, make sure that they listen to that. And now we're gonna go and listen to another uh, video. This was just from last month. He was talking about mental health during a racism pandemic that we're having now.
1: Usually when I'm overwhelmed, let me just fast forward here. Your strength, what keeps you going? What was and what has been the source of your strength? What keeps you going? What keeps you fighting? More than anything, my faith, helped me told me together and i couldn't give up could not give in when i've been beaten on the bridge i thought i saw death i thought i was going to die and i said a little prayer Say, lord let me live i want to stay here i want to be around And I believe it was the grace of God and praying witnesses that helped save me. And so today I feel more lucky, more than lucky, more than blessed, but to be here, to see the changes that have occurred, to live, to see the young man, a young friend, like President Barack Obama become President of the United States of America. It was worth the pain. And that's why I believe that can I give up, can I give in, become better or hostile? And to see all of the young people, black, white, Latino, Asian American, Native American, standing up, speaking up, being prepared to march you are going to help redeem the soul of America.
5: We have an incredible opportunity in this moment to do things that have never been done before. And because of the work of people like John Lewis, this is the time to stand. We can't accept uh, a little bit of justice, a little bit of freedom, a little bit of equality. We have to have real freedom, real equality, real justice. That has to continue to sustain how we treat one another.
1: And
0: That was another moving moment. You also know from if you've been uh, following the news that uh, President Obama released a Medium post in which he talked about the impact that John Lewis had on him and how when he was being inaugurated the first time, he he said to John Lewis that it was because of you and uh, I'll never forget reading that. And uh, having met John Lewis, I know the impact he had yeah, i told you what he said about journalists the other thing that i tweeted i have a whole twitter thread right on my if you just go to at right on top is the twitter thread and you can you can read it he said we all arrived in america on separate ships but we're all on the same boat now and that's something that i will never forget we arrived on separate ships but we're all in the same boat now and this boat is in trouble it is leaking it is going in the wrong direction and we need to speak up And we need to make sure that people understand. I get pushback for some of the things I say on here, critical of this country and the direction it's taken with this pandemic. And that's because people don't understand what's happening. What is at stake here right now is the very future of this country. If you missed what I said earlier, America has 5% of the world's population and 25% of the prison population. How is that possible? Why is that plausible? Why is that acceptable? We did episode number 80. This is episode 130. So 50 episodes ago, we did an episode about the racial injustice in this country. That was about a, what we called a horrific week in America. Please go back and look at that. We did another episode about the U.S. prison system. And we met Otis Johnson, who went away, was put in prison for 40 years. He went away in something like 1975 and came back in the 2010s imagine all that changed in the world. And he talked about, we were, you know, he's, he, he says that he was, uh, framed and, uh, and that was part of the story, but also how he was treated in prison is absolutely an unacceptable. But I also said that America has 5% of the world's population, but a quarter of all the deaths from COVID-19. Think about that for a second, 600,000 COVID deaths in the world. And 150,000 of them are in America. How is that acceptable to anyone? How is that not a failure of this country, its, its leadership at the governor's level, at the presidential level, at the cabinet level, in the Washington level, the federal level, as failure of its media, a failure of technology, a failure of the healthcare system, and a failure of Americans understanding the value of truth and science. It is just not acceptable, but we accept it every day in this country. And you saw that if it weren't for the death of George Floyd, we would have continued to see these atrocities take place. You've seen what police officers are willing to do on camera to protesters. Tomorrow we're going to go to Portland and understand what's happening there. There's a siege of unprecedented proportions taking place there now and we're gonna talk about that tomorrow. Please join us at 9 p.m. Eastern as we talk about what's happening in Portland. We're going to go there, meet activists and protesters and journalists, and hear the true story of what's happening there. Too many people, including me, have not been paying attention to Portland. Let's look at all of these comments that have been coming in. Fernando says that John Lewis lives in the hope-filled eyes of our new generations. Beautiful, and Fernando and I are planning a show together so an episode together in future weeks he's in la it's going to be great to uh to talk to uh fernando and to hear also what's happening in la uh sri if you get any pushback this person whose parents were in the civil rights struggle and who considers himself a freedom fighter i've got your back and others too here do here as well you know who are among the people who criticize uh some of what we say here are indian americans who uh, don't know anything about American history, who overeducated, overprivileged, came into this country and waltzed right in and were able to do great things uh, academically and then in work. uh, I'm not saying everybody, obviously it's not true. Some of the most active people I know in fighting for civil rights now are Indian Americans, including Indian American leaders, and it's fantastic. But I know people, friends of mine, you've seen their comments here, Right? I have a comment that I kept because I don't want to forget when the middle of talking about everything, Kieran Joy V says, real Donald Trump is the best POTUS ever, it's shameful to see Indians who have been given the privilege of being American, spread hate and lies. We had another Indian American show his stupidity, a person I consider a friend, show his stupidity by saying, oh, didn't black people get 40 acres and a mule? What are they, what are they complaining about? And That means there's so little taught to Indian Americans who come from India. I'm not talking about the Indian Americans here who were born here. They get the education this country gives them. But if you came here on an H-1B visa, where would you have had a chance to learn about anything about America and the debt it owes Native Americans, African Americans, Latino Americans? Nowhere. If you came uh, for a master's degree in engineering, where would you learn anything about these things? You don't in master's degrees in America. You don't learn engineering or any other subject. And this is the situation we're in now. And that's the shame. And that's one of the reasons I keep going on the show. And we have we're working with Scroll.in, one of India's uh, biggest news and culture and analysis websites that has global footprint so that more folks can learn about what's happening in this country and understand what's happening in this country. I wanna show you a couple more things off my newsletter, and then we'll do what we've been doing for the last several weeks. I interviewed Professor Kimberly Crenshaw and asked her, what can we do to be allies to black folks in this country? And she said one thing, say their names and say her name. And we'll do that tonight, thanks to our audience, folks like Rahajan, who went out of his way to get me the list and say, Sri, say their names. We're gonna do that. In just a few minutes, my newsletter. I hope you will subscribe to it. Here is the URL. I'll just show it to you so that you can uh, you can subscribe. It's Uh In it, we uh, this week it's all about John Lewis. It's called the Lessons of John Lewis, and we also have a link to. Uh, the uh, my episode on WBAI where we talk to Mary C. Curtis, a political reporter, and Tawitun Miriam, the uh, founder of the Bronx Mutual Aid Network about John Lewis. And we also have on here the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's five-chapter obituary of John Lewis and the obituary in the New York Times. And a great interview that Van R. Newkirk II did in The Atlantic in 2018 that I'd love for you to check out as well. Again, sreenet.substack.com, please check it out. We also have data points here. The COVID-19 pandemic has taken an extraordinary and disproportionate toll on the people of color in America. This is a perfect if morbid representation of America's racial justice failures. It's, It's about so much more than police violence. Excellent reporting and visualizations here by Marie Godoy and Daniel Wood please check that out. Again, sreenet.substack.com. And on a separate note, four years ago this week, I was with Maggie Lake on CNN talking about something that started as a Facebook post. What happened is that I promised my daughter not to speak on any more all-male panels and then promised not to attend any all-male panels. And sadly, four years later, there's still a problem. Mannels are still a problem. And we continue to see that during this pandemic. So I'm very grateful to my wife, Rupa, and Marcy Alberher, Gina Galantz, and Rose Horowitz and others who have inspired me and helped me on this quest. What ideas do you have to solve this problem of mammals? Please write to me, write to me in the comments, email me sri at Sree.net. I'd love to hear your ideas. And I encourage everyone to take the Gender Avenger pledge. Go to genderavenger.com and sign a pledge that you will not speak on any all-male panels. That's one of the things that we try to enforce as much as we can on the show. Obviously, two people is not an all-male panel. Two men is not an all-male panel. It is, of course, two men speaking. But we try to, uh, one of the things we are proud of is that we, uh, from the beginning, have been very intentional about having female speakers and global diversity. In the first 125 shows, we had speakers from 48 cities and 13 countries, and we had, one million viewers, and 88 million social impressions, and doctors, and nurses, and authors, and journalists, and CEOs, and founders. And of the 234 guests, 143 have been women. And there's no reason that shouldn't have been. 200 of them could have been women, and we continue to try to do that. If you have suggestions for speakers, please let us know. Sponsorships, themes, all of that. Email me, sri at sri.net. Let me just check out the comments that have been coming in here. And uh, last thing here, just on my newsletter, we have all kinds of things in here. My friend Mitra Khalida and Nathan Mukul, both of them have a new newsletter called Epicenter NYC. Check that out. Check out our uh, Sunday New York Times read along. This week we interviewed Claire Smith, ESPN news editor and former New York Times columnist. And uh, my friend Neil Park was the guest host of the show and lots of other things on there. Please check out our archives you can find them all at youtube.com slash sreenet and my newsletter archives are at sreenet.substack.com sreenet.substack.com let's look at a few more comments then we'll say their names and we'll call it a night people are tagging their friends if you found this conversation interesting please tag and share it with your friends right now just tag them they can watch it it'll start on facebook twitter youtube and linkedin as soon as we're done and uh lots of people here rajan says amen and uh fernando is tagging his friends hope you'll all do that too sadly there's a lot of anti-black prejudice among asians and asian americans i've seen it among family members and formerly close friends of the family it's been painful though necessary to oust them from my life says rajan who is part filipino part indonesian and rajan was our guest on my show the hundred of the July 4th show where we talk what America means to me, please check that out. It's again in our archives on YouTube. And I have not ousted anybody yet, but I've certainly muted them. I've unfollowed them, especially if they're related to me or are good friends. I try to have a conversation with them. And this is one of the ways in which I'm reaching out, but sometimes you do have to oust people from your life. Macron said I learned Americana from Newark and Oakland from Amiri Baraka and Pete Seeger and Jane Jacobs and he's put in a link there to Gandhi Trump. I don't know what that is, but you can check that out. Stefan, who's still here watching, the fact that any type of police units acting like special ops units, they have no IDs, literally unidentified, are taking people off the streets and throwing them into unmarked vans and taking them to God knows where. This is as scary as it gets and must stop now. Can't wait to hear more from your guests tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Everybody, please tell your friends and please tell them to join us. And you should know, I'm the son-in-law of a police officer in India, and Stefan is the son of one of the first female police officers to carry a gun and patrol the streets of New York. And you can see that we want police officers. We want good police officers. We want police officers who take care of their community and are not judge, jury, and executioner. Mark says, you're a true leader and appreciate you and your team. I'm most grateful to the team and everybody who is here. Uh, Instead of ousting, engage them in the show, for example. Thank you. And Rajan says, Those goose-steppers are the modern-day equivalent of the Gestapo and Kempai Thai. Wow. All right. Now it's time for us to say their names. And on a future episode, by the way, if someone would like to join me in saying their names and doesn't want to be a guest on the main show, but just join me for this part, I'd be honored to have you. There is so much pain that we talk about on this show, and one of them is this list. Say Her Name, the names mentioned in the updated version of the Say Her Name report. Rihanna Taylor, killed by police in her bed on March 13th, 2020. Atatiana Jefferson. Shirlina Siobhan Lyles. Corin Gaines. India Kager. Sandra Bland. Alexia Christian. Maya Hall. Megan Hockaday. Janisha Fonville. Natasha McKenna. Tanisha Anderson. Aura Rosser. Shanique Proctor. Michelle Cousseau. Pearly Golden. Gabriella Navarez. Yvette Smith. Renisha McBride. Miriam Carey. Kaim Livingston, Kayla Moore, Shelley Frey, Melissa Williams, Shulena Weldon, Alicia Thomas, Chantel Davis, Sharmel Edwards, Rekia Boyd, Charisse Francis, Ayanna Stanley Jones, Tarika Wilson, Katherine Johnston, Alberta Spruill, Kendra James, LaTanya Haggerty, Margaret Laverne Mitchell, Taisha Miller, Dante Daniels, Frankie Ann Perkins, Sanji Taylor, and Eleanor Bumpers. If some of these names are unfamiliar to you, it's because the names of women killed aren't as familiar to all of us as the men killed. And there again, women are in a disadvantage, even their legacy, even their deaths are not treated the same. Just look at this, this is Wikipedia and see how many of them have that blue lettering, which tells you there's a whole article on Wikipedia about their deaths. Again, this is not a question of anyone's guilt or innocence, but the police have no right to be judge, jury, and executioner. One of the people we interviewed on this show is a gentleman named Ryan Boudou. And he said to us, and he wrote it in a USA Today op-ed, that his 32-year-old brother, his elder brother, Ravi Budu, was killed in police custody after being arrested on a non-violent offense. After the death of George Floyd, Ryan is speaking out about his brother as well as the racism and silence he sees in South Asian communities across the US. And that's one of the reasons why he came on the air please find his episode again it's episode 103 to see and learn his story all of it's in our archives all of it's here to try and help all of us learn i'm learning so much rich says thank you so much for all you do street thank you rich for being here for supporting us look at rich tagging his friends all of you can tag your friends we are doing so many shows every day usually at 9 p.m eastern this week i think it'll be every day will be 9 p.m. Eastern, we do daytime when we're trying to get people in Europe to speak. We've had the chief scientist of WHO, episode number 99, the head of pandemics of WHO, episode number 99. We had to do that in the daytime. Last week we did a beautiful episode about art during COVID-19. Our speakers were from Rome and Lima and we had to do it in the morning. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for giving me the ideas and inspiration to be with you every single day, 130 episodes. I'm tired just thinking about it. But to my great producers, Bandana Menon and Rose Horowitz, thank you for all you do for making this show possible. And we have to thank our sponsors again. And our sponsors are Muckrack Academy, Fundamentals of Social Media, a free certification available right now For any age, any background, anywhere in the world, 3,500, no, 4,000 people have signed up and taken the course. Free certification now available mrac.co slash social, mrac.co slash social. You don't want to miss this. I learned so much taking this class and I know you will too. We also wanna thank our friends at She's On Call. I'm honored to be co-executive producer with Dr. Sujana Sujana Chandrasekhar and Marina Kurian. And they had two fabulous guests this morning, Dr. Wendy Sinta and Dr. Tamara Fountain were our guests Sundays at 11. You can find the archives that she's on call on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Please find those and watch them. With that, I wanna thank you for watching. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. And a reminder of what the show started as at 1. Episode number 130 in the books, Positivity with Tim Salau. He's the founder of GuideApp. He's Mr. Future Work. I learned so much. Please share this with your friends and family. Make sure they watch this. This will be archived at youtube.com slash archived on Facebook, Twitter, and on LinkedIn. He has 200,000 people follow him on LinkedIn, and so should you. With that, we'll say goodbye. Thank you very much, everybody, for being here. I'm so, so grateful to you, and we'll see
2: you soon. Bye, everybody.